Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I am so thankful tonight that in an in a changing world, we have an unchanging God. He stays the same. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me in God's Word tonight to the book of Numbers. We're going to begin in Numbers chapter 14. I want you to follow along and take some notes, if you will. This is a message, a work in progress, and it's something that God will use, I know, tonight to help us because all of us are the same, a work in progress. He's still working on me. I'm glad he is. I've got a ways to go, I know. But he's working on me to make me more into the image of his dear son. And I'm so thankful tonight that God doesn't give up on me. Oh, how I would have given up on myself long, long ago. But God never gives up on me. God's not going to give up on you. He, he said now, I, I, there's a lot of things I haven't promised. I haven't promised you an easy life. I haven't promised you that you'll be carefree all your days. There's a lot of things I haven't promised you, but there are some things I have promised you. I have promised that I would never leave you. I have promised my grace is sufficient. I have promised strength for the journey. As thy day, so shall thy strength be. And so let's hold to the promises of God. But as we look here at Numbers chapter 14, we come to where God's people were at Kadesh Barnea, a very place, a very time, a very moment of proving to where they would either believe God and go into the land of promise, or they would give in to a spirit of doubt and fretfulness and fear and wander aimlessly for 40 years in the wilderness. Now we know what they chose, but when you think about it, Let's be reminded tonight that we have a choice. And I want to preach to you about your spirit, your mind, your heart. What does it consist of? I think the more I go, I've been preaching now for 41 years by the grace of God, working with people all this while. And I believe just now I'm starting to understand that more because you try to help everyone. You're working with everyone in good faith. You're trying to do the best you can. But one thing you have to realize is that not everyone has the same spirit. Not everyone has the same mind. Not everyone has the same heart. And I'm not talking about just the uniquenesses of who we are individually. I'm talking about whether or not we have a spirit of faith or a spirit of unbelief, a spirit of confidence in God or a spirit of fear, a mind to receive the truth, instruction, correction even, or a mind that scoffs at that and says, I don't really need that. A heart that receives the seed of truth to where it just takes root and brings forth fruit, or a heart that just kind of is careless just overwrought with the cares of life, a heart that may be just shallow with little depth, may appear for a time to embrace the truth of God's Word, but then as time goes, it's demonstrated that that's not so. I want to tell you, 
A lot of times people blame where they are on God, on others, mom, dad, pastor, teacher. All of those have important roles in our lives. But oftentimes we look without and see what others have said and done or not. And then we say, well, this is why my heart or my spirit or my mind is this way. But I want you just to stop for a moment tonight and consider this and take inventory about where you truly are within. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 that the preaching did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in their heart. Their heart wasn't ready to receive it. Their heart was not in a point of acceptance of the truth of God's Word and that seed being sown. So much, the Bible says, about our spirit, our mind, our heart. We see here, the Bible says about His people, the spies had gone into this land of promise and seen the abundance, the blessing of God, but they also saw these inhabitants therein and how great they were and how uh, they appeared as giants in their own sight and, and uh, in their eyes they themselves as grasshoppers and thought we're no match for them. And then they began to lament their lot in chapter 14 as they murmured against Moses and Aaron in verse 2 and said, Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. Be careful what you say. There may be a time when the Lord says, Okay, if that's your request, that's what they said. And then they said, Well, it'd be better for us to go back where we came from. We just came out here to die anyway. Let us make a captain. Let us return into Egypt. Now think about this spirit of unbelief. The pride that comes out of that. That self-will that comes out of that. This doesn't compete with us. It doesn't make sense with us. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take matters in our own hands and we'll fix it the way we think best. Is that the kind of spirit you have? Do you have that kind of spirit? I'm tired of waiting. I, I don't like that. I don't see that. I don't agree with that. This is what I think I should do or we should do, and here's what we're going to do. Are you willing to pray and wait on God, trust God, believe God? No, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Better be careful with that kind of spirit because more of us have that spirit, I've learned through the years, than we think. We're not praying, we're not looking to God, we're not waiting on God. Because the Bible contrasts this kind of spirit of pride and self-will and unbelief with the spirit of that of Caleb in verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Not only would God bless Caleb, for his faith, his spirit of faith, he had another spirit, one that is in contrast to their spirit, a distinctively different spirit than they had, a spirit of unbelief, of pride, of self-will. We'll figure it out on our own. We'll do what we think is best. 
versus one who said, but wait a minute. Back in verse 8, if the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Amazing here. Joshua and Caleb were these two with this spirit because we read of how they both spake at this time these words back in chapter 13 and verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And they said, No, we're not able. He said, With God, all things are possible. Our God is greater. We're able. God is with us. And they're like, No, we're not. We're not going anywhere. We're no match for these folks. We're staying right here. And then they began to murmur, would to God we died in the wilderness. Why did you bring us out here? I wonder how many of us, that's where we're at right now, the angst that we have in our hearts. Why am I facing this? What am I going to do about this? Oh, I don't know. I don't want this. Well, I'll tell you, that's where they were. Is that your spirit? A spirit of fretfulness, worry, doubt, indictment, even of the Lord? See, the Bible says, my servant Caleb, he had another spirit. He didn't have that spirit. He had a different spirit than they. It was a spirit of faith, of confidence, of trust in the Lord, resting in the Lord. That was his spirit. Come on, we can do this. God's with us. He'll help us. Why are we doing this? We shouldn't be doing this. We should be doing the other, or we should be doing nothing at all, or we can't do this anyhow. I'm going to tell you, one thing that I can say that God has helped us with these years is God has given us a spirit of faith. God is able. Well, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? How are we going to, well, if it's God's will, let's pray, let's fast, let's wait before the Lord. We have the mind of God, let's trust Him by faith and step out. God is with us. God will help us. God will make a way. And you know what God has? I marvel at that. The faithfulness of God. His great mercies upon us. But I want to ask you tonight, what kind of spirit do you have? Is it one of doubt, unbelief, fretfulness, unsettledness, just looking for someone to find fault with or to point a finger at and indict that was that crowd. And God says, and you know what? I've had enough of this. In the eyes of God, it was so vile and so evil. God says, all right, you're going to wander this wilderness and not a one of you, 20 years old and upward, are going to be left standing after it's all said and done. Wow. All the adults. Amazing. I wonder what God would speak to us about tonight and say, how's your spirit? What kind of spirit do you have? You can go with the crowd. You can go with the flow. You can go with what's easy. You can talk it down. You can talk yourself out of it. You can talk about how we shouldn't try this or shouldn't think about that or shouldn't be concerned about the other. And the next thing you know, it's like, but what, what is the will of God? Someone said, well, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness one day. And I said, that's true. And that line is the will of God. Is it 
God's will. Because if it's God's will, God will make a way. Have you seen that in your own life? So many of us have. God has made a way. God has been faithful. Do you have a spirit of faith, of confidence in the Lord, a willingness to trust God, to wait on God, to rest in the Lord? Do you have that kind of spirit or are you restless? Are you ready to figure it out and fix it and, and even force it if you have to? Because, you know, you got to... You know what amazes me? People of that mind and that spirit, see, they're like, hey, let's get another leader. These guys, they're not to be trusted. They're not to be followed. I mean, come on. People like that, they're quick to just dismiss someone with a true heart for God who's willing to wait on God. They think, that's weakness. That's weakness. Let's act. I'm all for acting when God says act. But I'm all for waiting when God says wait. Aren't you? That's not weakness. That's strength. And by the way, sometimes it takes much more strength than you would ever imagine to be willing to wait on God, to die to self, to deny yourself, to be patient, to be steadfast, to weather the troubles and the trials of not only time and circumstances, but people who misunderstand, who misinterpret, who misrepresent what's going on. And you're having to weather that and navigate that. But you can if you've got the inward compass of faith that says, you know, I'm trusting the Lord. and God is with me and God is guiding me. And I know that God will prevail in this matter. What kind of spirit do you have tonight? A spirit of faith or a spirit of unbelief? Turn with me over to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. You know, I live in God's Word each day. And I read a chapter of Proverbs each day, read the book through each month, and I encourage you to do likewise in addition to your other Bible reading. But the more I go, having read it now, for all these years, 30 years, every day, at least one chapter of Proverbs, I'm amazed at how God's Word continues to open up to me. And I even see this more clearly now than I ever have. Proverbs chapter 9. Verse 7, he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Now to reprove means to call into account, to point out one's fault, one's error. In light of what God says, not your own opinion, okay? Jesus said that about the Pharisees. You're the kind of people that, that you judge in a temporal way, in an earthly way. Just what you can see and observe. But see, I judge eternal matters because it's not just about the outward, it's about the inward. And it's not just about where you're at inwardly, but it's about where you're going to be eternally. <laughs> Jesus said, that's my judgment. But as we think about this, we think about what God is saying here to us. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame. Someone that is pointing out the error, the fault in someone based upon the fixed standard, the fixed point of reference of God's Word, calling one to repentance into account. He that reproveth a scorner, one that mocks is the word there. One that scoffs, 
They mock at God. They mock at uh, what is right or a fixed point of reference. Or they're always debating what God says. Well, that's your opinion. That's not mine. That's your truth. That's not my truth. Let's all be reminded tonight, we don't have our own truth. There is but one truth, and it is God's Word. Once given to be earnestly contended for in every generation. This is the truth of God. This is the fire of God. You know, with sadness, I've seen pictures posted online about the uh, Chauncey Good Auditorium and the Phillips Chapel burning over the weekend there at Tennessee Temple University in Chattanooga. And some of you perhaps have seen that. And uh, all the history, the history... I remember seeing pictures of Dr. Robertson in those buildings, and uh, even that auditorium, it was kind of like our auditorium, but it was longer, and it was like a, an uh, airplane hangar at one time, and uh, they had a big balcony that wrapped all the way around, and that place was full, and then they, they showed these pictures of it burned and, and just a, a total loss, and then someone else posted a picture from behind Dr. Robertson when he stood in the pulpit, the auditorium was literally packed. No room for anyone else on the floor, in the balcony. And they said, now this was the real fire before this fire over the weekend in the Chauncey Good Auditorium. <laughs> this was the real fire. Amen? And you know what it reminded me of? I thank God for our facilities God has blessed us. Our campus is the nicest it's ever been, and I thank God for it. And I appreciate all those who work so diligently to keep it that way and to develop it forward. But I'll tell you, one day these buildings are going to burn. One day they're going to fall to the ground. The only thing that matters is what we're doing for Christ with the gospel, with people. It's with people that's why we're here, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. To make an impact, a difference in this world. And God wants us to be reminded of this. But there are those who will scorn the work of God. They will scoff the things of God. They believe perhaps it may be arson there. There will be those that have no reverence nor respect for the house of God. The things that God has done in the community and beyond. But there are those who have such hearts that are turned away from God, so proud, so self-willed, when you point out the error of their way, they'll do nothing but wrangle with you, take you to task, debate you, and turn the tables, and try to make you look like you're the one at fault, you're the one who's in the wrong. You get to yourself shame. I'm asking you, what kind of mind do you have? Now get this as it unfolds. And he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. I mean, there are some people, if you point out the error of their way, even in love, you try to help them, they'll hate you the rest of their days. They'll always be aggravated and aggrieved at you because one time you dared to take them to task to point out their fault. I want to tell you, if that's your spirit and if that's your mind, God says it here. He doesn't, I'm not saying it. God is saying you're a scorner, you're wicked. If you have that kind of mind about you, reprove not a scorner, verse 8, lest he hate thee. I mean, somebody who just mocks the things of God, they're so full of themselves, 
See, they lack understanding is the point. We'll see that here. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Why? Because it says give instruction to a wise man he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise thou shalt be wise for thyself but if thou scornest thou alone shalt bear it. Wow. The point is we either have a fear of God and we see the wisdom of God's Word and its truth and we want to be taught, we're willing to be instructed, we're willing to receive it, we're willing to be corrected. It's a heart that says, hey, teach me. I want to be all that I can be for God. I remember someone interviewing Coach K years ago and and that's what he said about the athletes that went on and played professionally and really excelled. He said, they're not only coachable, but they're the kind of guys who say, teach me, instruct me, correct me. If I'm wrong, tell me. I want to be the best I can be. Challenge me. But some guys come in and they think they're already there. You can't instruct them. For sure you can't correct them. And a lot of times those are the guys who have so much potential, but they do so little with it. Now that's from a basketball perspective. Does that not apply to things spiritual? Some people think, I already know the Bible. I grew up in Sunday school. I've read it through once. I know what the Bible says. I don't really need even things like this. That's why we kind of don't listen, pay attention. We don't oftentimes take mental notes or, or even written notes because it's like, okay, let's, let's get through this and we'll be done in a little bit. Whereas there are those that are hungry. They want to listen. They want to learn. They want to be instructed. They want to be corrected because they want to be all they can be for God and they know they've not yet arrived. That's their mind. They have understanding. They have depth. But some people are rather simple. They don't have understanding. They don't have a true reverence and respect for God and His Word. And they think, I've arrived. I'm okay. You ever been around someone who knows it all? And the only one that doesn't realize that he doesn't know it all? Is himself. Everybody else realizes he doesn't know it all. Right? God wants us to be careful about having that kind of spirit. Be willing to be corrected, instructed, taught, to be all you can be for the glory of God. Don't be someone that's always wrangling, taking people to task, Never receiving the instruction that God is trying to give you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. God's put people in our lives to teach us. Are we going to receive it? Are we going to say, teach me more? If I have to be corrected, if I have to be called into account, well, I'm, I'm glad that somebody loves me enough to invest in me 
to point out the error of my way. Some people, if you ever point out the error of their way, see, they're done with you. I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't need you in my life. I can't trust you to have my best interest at heart. You're trying to control me. That's what you're trying to do. You ever had somebody respond that way and you think, wow, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. See, I'm asking you tonight, what kind of spirit are you of? What kind of mind are you of? Look with me, lastly, over in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible talks about the people's heart being waxed gross in verse 15, their ears dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed. And so their heart is hardened. Their heart is not receptive to the truth of God's Word. And I ask you, what about the soil of your heart? See, it didn't profit them. There was preaching, there was instruction, there were people trying to lead them, trying to correct them, but it never phased them, it never bettered them, it never helped them because they, they didn't receive it. They thought they didn't need it or it was beneath them. Or it was just somebody else's problem. Someone else needed instruction, but not them. They were always taking exception, taking offense. They were trying to push back because they felt like someone was trying to just come down on them or, or just kind of control their life when really someone was just trying to instruct them. And so they just dismissed it altogether and missed what God had for their lives. I've seen so many people walk away from the Lord, walk away from the local church to just aimlessly wander in this life because they would not receive instruction. But I've grappled with that so many times through the years, and I believe this is something the Lord's helped me with even lately. I have no say, absolutely no control over the soil of someone's heart. If they don't fear God, if they, they don't have depth in their understanding, if they're not looking for instruction, I, I, I can't change that. If someone's going to have a spirit, it's just like Joshua and Caleb. Hey, wait, 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 wait. These people are big, but our God is bigger. And they said, oh, no. Would to God we had died out here? And they said, no, let's don't do this. We're well able. Let, let's go. They said, no, we're not going. Tell you what. I can't change someone's spirit. I can't change someone's mind. I cannot change someone's heart. That is the work of God. But you know what? You have to recognize what kind of spirit you have, what kind of mind you have, what kind of heart you have. Some of us could be serving the Lord even more fruitfully. And the Bible says, we go from the milk of God's Word to the meat of God's Word. And Paul said, you have need that somebody take you again and begin anew with the milk of God's Word because what you do is you not only grow in knowledge for yourself, but you share that with others. And when you stop that, you stunt your growth. You remember the Bible says here, the parable of the sower, verse 18 and 19, when Anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And the devil uses distraction. I learned this in Bible college. 
I mean, the, the seed is being sown and the wicked one comes and snatches away that seed. How does he do it? By distractions. That's why it's so important. Not that we just kind of have a, a uh, stiffness, as it were, in our services, a fear. There has to be a liberty, but there needs to be a careful attention given to God's Word. And I, I'd say we'd be amazed at how many people are distracted today in our church services thinking about what they've got to do, where they're going, otherwise. But not only that, our phones, they can be a good tool. We can have our Bible. Oftentimes I'm in a meeting and I have my Bible on my phone. They can be such a good tool, but they can be such an awful distraction as well. Seed is being sown that could change your life and that of your children and grandchildren. And sometimes we're thinking more of, well, what's the score? We need to be careful there because the devil tries to steal that seed that could bring fruit in your life, but our heart's not ready to receive it. We're willingly distracted. But he that receiveth the seed, verse 20, into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon or at once with joy receiveth it. It appears like, yes, yes, this is what I need, this is what I want. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. And when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, and by and by he is offended. Some people appear to receive the Lord and to walk in his light. But then when uh, push comes to shove and their faith is tried, it proves to be false. It's not genuine. They're like, I'm done with this. I tried this religion thing enough. Friend, don't try religion. It will fail you. Trust Christ instead. Verse 22, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Think of that. So many things to take us away in our heart. But really it's not just taking us away, it's proving where our heart is. Our heart is not true before God. But then the Bible says, there is he that receives seed into the good ground. Is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So the seed's going out. We cannot control the condition of the soil. Now, I believe we can help prepare it. Even like in our own hearts, we can cultivate the soil of our heart to receive the seed. We can help cultivate the soil of our children's hearts. There's a point to where God is doing that, even not only in our homes, but in our Sunday school classes, the pulpit minister of our church, God is trying to cultivate that soil. But in the end, that's not something that anyone else can change. And I don't know what the soil of your heart is. There again, you see, everybody's looking, it seems, for someone else, something else is to blame why I'm not where I feel like I need to be or want to be in my heart. I'm not happy or I'm not this, whatever it may be. It's all about the condition of our heart. Remember what the Bible says in Luke 16, Jesus said to the Pharisees, Ye are they which justify yourselves among men, before men, but God knoweth your hearts. God knows your heart. And we can have this appearance, we can have this presentation that we're holy, we're righteous, but if our heart's not in it, I tell you what, that in time 
will come forth. I say to you tonight, would you humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, would you check my spirit and help me to have a spirit of faith? Would you check my mind, help me to be willing to receive instruction, even correction? Lord, would you check my heart, the condition of my heart? Am I willing to receive your truth and allow it to take root so it can bring forth fruit? Is that really where I am? Irrespective of what's going on in your life, what others are doing or not, what about your spirit, your mind, and your heart? Where is it before God? If we're not careful, some of us will sit here tonight and we'll be thinking about someone else's heart. Boy, if he would get his heart right, if she would get... Friend, I'll tell you what, you have no control over that. And by the way, if you're a teacher or a preacher or you're trying to help someone, even giving someone the gospel, you have no control over that. Leave it with God. Leave it with God. Sow in faith. Plow in hope. God will bless a faithful servant. But I'll tell you, when it comes down to it, we need to evaluate our own hearts before the Lord. Lord, where am I? Am I willing to be instructed? Am I willing to be corrected? Am I willing to receive what you say? Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.